Welcome back to Black Your Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back to discuss Bodies, Episode 3, All in Good Time, written by Paul Tomlin, directed by Marco Cruz Paintner. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm really enjoying this show. I like the time travel aspect of it because it's going to feel as if we're going to be determining what came first, the chicken or the egg. I think the show is very well written and directed. I love the ending with the dual frames of both Alfred and Hassan walking down Long Harvest Road with the swelling music as she reveals his name on the wall. And after this episode, it's an emotional punch connecting the arcs of two people trying to get to the bottom of justice with a soft heart for outliers of society, both being so, but also because we have the last two episodes with Hilling Head, this is a payoff that feels earned despite the short amount of time that we've had with him. I rated this episode 9.8 out of 10. I was thoroughly engaged all the way through and I really want to get to the next one. Before we jump into the review, where we listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever good podcasts can be found, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. If you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment below. Let's start with D.S. Whitman. It's Whiteman. I always want to say Whitman when people spell their name Whiteman. And I don't know why. It's just one of those brain ticks that never quite click. He is in the room as they question the adorable girl witness. I didn't catch her name. It could be because she never said it, or it could be because their interaction was kind of adorably cute, but not so at the same time as she speaks Yiddish. First, she won't speak at all. The the DCI, I think that's his title, Callaway, his boss, is trying to get her to speak French, try to get her to speak German, but of course she speaks the one language that no one around here knows how to speak, which is Yiddish. And she tells Whiteman, I know it was you. I want some money, 20 pounds to be exact, to keep my mouth quiet. Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. He tried to get himself alone with her, but Callaway was not going to allow that to happen. And of course, she can speak English if she really wants to. So he agrees to pay her in the guise of getting ice cream and hustling her on her way because she's just hungry. He thought the boss for sure he was going to have the necessary dirt on him. And I thought so as well. They pulled a 180 with his characterization because I would say the last couple of episodes he came off as someone who was willing to do whatever it took up to a point to get his in a very in a very uh 
highly toxic situation in which his culture, his heritage, his identity is under fire, not only from the war in which Britain is fighting, but also, or is it in Germany? I can't remember. I thought they were in Britain. I was pretty sure they were in Britain. But if, yeah, because he says if if Britain invades, I have to keep everything I have at home because they're sure as shit not going to keep our collateral for us. Something to that extent. He gets a call at the phone booth how do they know where he's going to be at all times i can understand calling the the station but how did you know he was outside this phone booth unless what is about to happen has already happened He tells his handler, hey, the girl just wanted some money. I paid her off. It's fine. She's like, no, we cannot risk any opening of that case. And thus, you need to kill this girl and stop acting like you haven't done this sort of thing or at least something comparable to killing before. But it is a child. And that is something he doesn't feel comfortable doing doing and so he uh he tells her to meet him back here tomorrow he'll have the rest of his money because he keeps his his valuables at his home she does as she's told later that night we see him get the gun out he's drinking he doesn't feel great about his life choices but he he certainly appears to go along with what's happening as she's in the car the next day being driven out to god only knows where to get some additional monies <laughs> that should have made her very suspicious of someone she's trying to blackmail as well i felt like that was something because before she was like oh like she knew what she was stepping into but clearly that was all bluster and they are being followed. He learns that her mother and her father are dead. She's an orphan, probably very much like himself. Just making a guess there. Only because we see that in previous arcs to be somewhat of a theme. Orphan children at a young age. Uh, with the car following, he gets off to the side of the road because clearly they want to see if he is going to do the job but because he loses them he's able to chloroform her because she finds it in his car and that's when you decided to freak out and then he puts her in the grave and then he shoots and it looks like she's actually dead but i think this was all in case he was being watched again they would see him completing the job by the time that he uh, gets back home, because they probably would have lost him out there trying to find him once again, but they would have heard the shot. They would have come, found the grave, thought the job was done. But it turns out he took the kid home, decided he didn't want to be that person 
whoever he was before. He doesn't want to be that person now, especially with someone I think bonded with his own situation of being Jewish. He makes a traditional Jewish dish of borch or bort. I, I can't say that right. And while she screams and grabs the gun and is freaked out rationally, he says, look, they're going to kill us both. I don't even know why I did what I did, but we're in this together now. I have to kill you. That's the only way this happens. I'm not going to kill you. So they're going to kill us both. So we need to continue the ruse because he takes the cord off the wall and he says, I uh, am no longer dealing with you, so I'm out. Fuck this shit, I quit. Something tells me he's done all he's going to do. (laughs) Or all they need him to do for whatever cause. And if someone has this much dirt on you, but I guess, I guess you can only do so much from the position that you are. And he probably thinks these are just like people he does jobs for, not time traveling cults. I don't know what else to call this at this point. I don't want anything to happen to Esther. That's her name. I knew I wrote it down somewhere. She's very sweet and funny. And the way she played that scene uh, endeared me to her greatly. Let's move to the future with Maplewood, who despite has a very familiar face. I went on her IMDb and have not seen anything she's been in. She takes Defoe to the facility where they are monitoring his doppelganger. And to his credit, he did have an appropriate response. Bitch, what the fuck? What the fuck? What could you possibly be thinking if you're innocent in this moment? Which it appeared he was. Like, I don't know anything about this, but turns out, The future is not yet written and what you don't know today, you may know tomorrow or you may be influencing the events that happen based on things that you know today that's going to happen tomorrow. Just as he's trying to come to terms with this is this is real life. I'm over there with no tattoos currently on my arm, but three or I don't even know what to call that symbol. It could be a tattoo. Could be, uh, I always think of that's numbers, but it doesn't, it's not a five, it's four. <laughs> so unless someone's really bad at math. And there's a hole in his head. But as soon as he approaches, that's when the doppelganger starts to seizure and dies right in front of him. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping If that's the moment he's gonna die and he just pulled a... Oh gosh, I always forget the kid's name. The one who's like, it's going to happen again. But yeah, did he watch himself just die right there? He... One's question is asked if he knows anything about Chapel Perilous. He's like, I'm not affiliated with anything and anyone. She doesn't ask him too much about his research. I did notice that. 
And while uh, it is overwhelming for him, she tends to believe him, but is brought to the commander who tells her that that body is not a doppelganger. That is an identical person because the DNA matched completely, which you know is impossible. And that Defoe in two days time is going to travel back into the back in time and we're going to find his body and he's going to die. So I need you to find out and follow him everything he knows about Chapel Perilous because time travel will threaten everything that they've built up with the executive branch. And she asks, well, can they? He doesn't answer that question. He just gives her her task. And now, now I'm wondering who is, who is the good side and who is the bad side? Is there such thing as good and bad side? What are the motivations for the people who seem to be monitoring the timeline Those are all questions I have, but not really reflected in right now, uh, Whiteman and Maplewood story arcs, which is why I discussed those first. Let's head to the year 1890, where our precious Alfred has to sit through church as if it isn't a chore. I hate it here! Although he did love his daughter's plane and praised her for her talents, they then walk home only for him to awkwardly have to explain to his wife, the man he had no business with yesterday, he now has business with on a day in which he doesn't even go to work. Uh-huh, honey. And she has to accept this because what are you going to do? It's 1890. Women ain't got no rights. They ain't supposed to question their husband. They're supposed to shut the fuck up and pretend that they don't know. But they always know. He clearly loves them, though. Apollo was full of questions. Isn't that the journalist? Why he here today? Where are you going? Like, clearly you need to take better direction from your mother. <laughs> Ash points out his wife hates him, and he replies, I don't think anyone really likes you. As they go to investigate the place where their unknown suspect was hiding in the alley on Long Harvest. The indention of the cane leads to the cane shop. Not before they're teased for their compromising position when a group of locals come by. They knock on the door and he says, I'm closed, bloody foreigners. That's got to be racist, Alfred is able to pretend to be a mason to get the answers he needs in regards to the swan shape on the cane. He gets the address where it was delivered, having learned the handshake that impresses Ash because he himself is not a mason, but he need he knows he needs to uh, pretend to be one if he wants to get information. Something he learned as a cop by trial and error. Stalking the address, the owner is revealed, Lady Agatha Harker and her long-lost 
war hero's son thought to be dead, Lord Harker, who looks exactly like the commander. I'm pretty sure Harker is also the name of the law firm that represents the Morleys and Elias in Hassan's story arc. So they've been making money throughout the generations to shore up their timeline. Because it's mentioned that Lady Harker has predictions that Lord Harker takes to the stock market and now he's so wealthy and has gotten so many other people wealthy that he is essentially untouchable. Soon after being spotted and after Ash is giving him all of this information, there's a knock on Ash's door and Hillyhead, not Ash, is invited to a seance later that night. It's a trap! I have to wonder about Lady Harker. Are you that grief-stricken that you just accept this person in your home? Or are you already a plant from some other time? Because it said that he gets the stock market predictions from her, not the other way around, which one would expect if the commander is the one from the future, which it clearly looks like he is from the future or he makes his way to the future, one or the other. Uh, he knew where he lived and still sent the note to where he was at. That's a power move that tells you to slow your roll. But when you got justice in your veins the way Alfred does, he thinks that he can outsmart these people because he has put a certain amount of faith in a system that may not be quite as incorruptible as he himself is. Ash, who knows the true story and the dangers and knows he doesn't risk nearly as much as he does. Like, I'm just a journalist. I have nothing to lose if I print the truth. I'm like, no, you do. You have been deported. <laughs> but I suppose they feel he's so low on the list and already ostracized by society. What do, you know, that's not quite as important, but I still think you can have it a lot worse if they really wanted you to, if you talk too much. Which makes me now wonder if Ash is involved because that was the accusation that came out. And I want to say no. I want to say no. Because that would break my heart. But for right now, I'm not going to say yes. Because he was genuinely devastated when he opened the door and saw his boo on the floor like that. But we are jumping ahead. Um... She's also eerily correct in her predictions is something he points out like to the T. He and Ash share a moment when he is getting him into a necktie that he does not know how to tie properly. Get your mask. Despite being very skeptical of the zealotry of Lady Harker's stands regarding this seance, he is able to have one-on-one -on -one with Julian Harker, who meets him at the top of the stairs. He knows why he's there. He says, oh, I wanted to answer your questions to eliminate all possibilities of my involvement. 
but I'm not actually going to answer any of your questions. I'm just going to lead you to the room, offer you a lace drink and leave very conveniently for you to try to stuff that that lid on the decanter in your pocket. But I'm like, dude, there's three people behind you. You are not being slick even a little bit. <laughs> Everyone's watching what you're doing. They're like, let the seance begin. He is not impressed. When his when they pants his face, when homegirl put on that black veil and started moaning. What kind of bullshit is this? This is also the thing as a cop. If you believe that the person in whose home murdered someone else, why do you think they would have an issue doing anything to you? I am the law. Congratulations. You played yourself. As the seance convenes and he gets up and asks to speak with the murder victim, having lost his temper. Yeah, dude, you're supposed to be doing this under <laughs> the radar. But I'm going to blame it on the I'm going to blame it on the drugging. He puts all his cards on the table. She's like, oh, God, well, if that's what you really want to do, I'll contact him because this is your free seance. And you think it's full of shit at first because it looked like their hands is under the table to get the table to move. He looks at the fireplace. Who is hot up in here? But then he realized, oh, shit, the sherry. He does get the name of his victim, though, which is correctly identified as Defoe. When it's asked who killed you, it started going M. Was it M-E or M-O? I don't know. I just know that Ouija board flew across the room and I don't think they had anything to do with it. <laughs> I don't know why we need this elaborate hoax just to wait for the uh the the drug to kick in he passes out in the other room elias comes in to tell him well i'm about to ruin your life i owe everything to you having stripped the man and placed him next to what seemed to be a deceased corpse snapping photos he gives him the insult of his future mantra, which is no, you are loved. Nah, motherfucker, I'm violated. Back to the other question though, that was important. How does Healing Head, what does Healing Head do that ends up benefiting him so much that he would say, I owe everything to you? As much as I love Healing Head, he was warned. They said, these are untouchable people. The sad thing is, there isn't really a crime. <laughs> At least not a crime that they may be responsible for. Because it didn't sound like they were going, to, uh, that they, we was uh, putting Elias down there. That's for damn sure. M-A. M-A. Mannix? Because he doesn't give his first name. He gives his last name of Defoe. Or his, was that his first name? That might be his last name. Uh, curious if I'm right about that next episode. But. Yeah, he makes his way back to Ash's. Ash realizes he's been traumatized. Because no, having your body 
uh, being stripped in your fucking in the corners there. And he's like, I told you, I told you to to back the fuck up, and you didn't want to. And they're clearly setting him up from sub for some crime. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to say, hey, I was posed nude next to a deceased male who was also nude on a divan and they gonna come at me with this <laughs> he's like i can't believe i got played to this extent and he he allows him to sleep on his floor on a pallet he worries about polly and his wife saying he can't lose them ash is doing the most to comfort him he asks if he can hold him which he does and in the morning with the sunlight caressing their bodies, they give in to their sexual attraction. I will go down with this shit. And I won't put my hands up and surrender. Please don't be a plant. This is too fucking pure. On the way home, he is given many looks of disapproval, probably due to his attire. I doubt the word got out that quick. But he is unfazed going back to Long Harvest Alley and writing his name and the symbol on the wall, which is what Hassan finds in the year 2023 when she goes back to that same alley looking for any additional clues, which leads us to our last story arc, which is Hassan. Poor Rick is dead. Everyone now believes that Elias is the one that him and his uh, mother, Elaine, set everything in motion. So he's enemy number one. We're not taking it easy on this kid. Let's bring him in. No one knows about the record, any information on the record that was playing because it was blown to bits. She tells her boss, he, Elaine, brought up Jawad and he says, well, don't be mad. I put a security detail on you which I think that's what she was asking for already. She goes home and I'm like, I like that the security detail is right in front of her door and not sitting in a car across the street. Like if something happened, <laughs> you wouldn't have to tr travel some ways to get there. Like, oh, kid screams, cops come. She tells her dad everything that has happened. She still doesn't know if she's being personally targeted but then ends up crying in his arms because he knows his baby girl is hurting she wakes in the middle of the night to turn off her son's game when she hears it in his room because he's sleeping in her room only to find elias already in the house he pleads with her to believe him that he didn't kill anyone but once in custody has already written a signed confession i said hold up Wait a minute. Something ain't right. Hassan's like, hold on. You bust into my home, hid behind some curtains to tell me that you didn't do it only for your lawyer to show up and you are ready to sign. And you even said they're going to make me say that I did it and I didn't. Boss man doesn't want to make it too complicated because the lawyer's starting to get agitated that they're just not accepting the confession. They take a 20 minute break. Hassan comes back and tells Elias, uh, you can sack your attorney anytime you want to and promptly helps him do so. You're fucking fired, Bob. 
Elias wants to speak with Hassan alone and her boss doesn't want to do that, but she encourages him to, to put the kettle on as he says and walks out of the room, even though he slammed the door. Cause he, he, does he have personal feelings for her? There's, there's been a couple of moments where I feel as if his look is not one of a boss or he, he may have some unrequited, like I am your boss, so I would never overstep that line. But like he was on her safety before she was, and he does not like having her alone with the kid. He even blames himself and cuts it. Like he gets very irritated that she's getting so close to this kid, but it could just also be me misinterpreting. And he just doesn't want one of his detectives one he values even probably cares about just normally falling prey to someone that may be using her own soft spot against her but while he initially gives information of like my foster parents the morleys they know things about the future he can smell her boss's aftershave through the mirror and shuts down Hassan comes up with a clever way to make him feel safe, but also have a conversation between the two of them without it being recorded by anyone else. And he's charmed by this. And the first thing he said when he met her is you're far nicer than I thought you would be or far kinder. So he crawls under the table. I like the actor that's playing Elias. Like I said, the acting's really good in here. And I've not seen any of these actors before. And I thought he did an outstanding job of someone who is born to be traumatized and anguished over a fate in which he is culpable, but is not in control of what's happening and bad things are going to happen. He reveals that this isn't the first body, that there's going to be more, that the Morley's no accurate things about the future that he didn't take the photos they did put it on his wall so they're trying to set him up to be in a certain position where he needs to be and he doesn't at all want to be at the center of what feels like this cult of people around him telling him about the great things he's going to bring but it's going to be a lot of pain before uh, that happens because he's lost his friend. And he says, there's a bomb coming and a lot of people, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. And in the future, is he responsible for the new age that's brought in? Because they said a catastrophic event, but it feels as if he's the creator of the catastrophic event or at least... People want the catastrophic event to happen so that he can rise to be the savior. Uh, Hassan, like I said, the boss shuts it down. Bossman comes in. It's like, oh, hell, get off. Get from underneath the table. <laughs> She's like, that boy is oozing anguish. Well, we're charging Elaine as a co-conspirator with Elias and releasing the husband. She's then sent home when the whole office hears her chewing him out. He's like, you need to cool off. <laughs> he could have 
said you're on administrative duty or you're off the case. He's like, can you just take a take a rest, please? And that's when she goes back to the at. Well, first she sees him being taken away. There is this very strong connection between them. He was the one outside her dad's place before as well. And they mentioned her. So what is her role? How could she possibly force him to click a bomb that's going to destroy hundreds of thousands of people? That's not even who she is, but it seems as if there's another version of herself that is um is definitely or maybe she's someone who survives the the um the attack in the future and she's the one that's behind the chapel perilous movement because i think that's the two movements right the executive with um elias and chapel perilous but if she's with Chapel Perilous, then why did she choose that side? I'm not as eager to figure out what's ha- I mean, I have a good grasp on what's happening as far as episode by episode. I'm not trying to get ahead of the plot in these, mainly because it just causes a lot of, uh, <laughs> in my brain anyway, unnecessary spinning on all of the things. And I... I would rather just go with the pace of what the show is telling me. We know there's time travel. We know Mannix is involved. We know that there's two factions and they are, they have people in place that are influencing these three timelines, 1890, 1890, 2023, and 1941. For specific purposes, my guess, these are from all my knowledge of the flash, uh, what do they call them touch points that you can't where things could go off the rails and the path could be changed and that's that's where we're at we do have feedback so let's hop into the mailbag Hey, Christina, it's me, Shy. I am here to join you for this series, the limited series, Bodies. Um, This one's episode three. Um, Yeah, episode three, right? Yeah, episode three. (laughs) Um, So I will start out by saying, you know, sadly, you know, Mimi won't be joining us. I'm not, I mean, for, for the life of me, I'm not I'm not knowing what it is about this series that is putting her off because I am completely fixated and fascinated. Call it my curiosity or I just need to see how this dang thing ends because I'm just like, what the hell? I just need to know. I need to know how all these timelines tie in and what it all means. Um, trying to connect all the dots. Um I know they can, and we're starting to see it, but I'm like, it's still like, I'm not figuring it out. And that's, that's plaguing me. And it's like, I gotta know, I gotta know. So that alone has got me into this series. Cause it's like, it's creative. I'll give them that, um, with the four different timelines and the dramatic difference in the timelines that's going on. And I'm kind of starting to connect. I mean, the night, 
uh, 19, the 2023 to 2053, that one's a little bit easier to connect than the ones from um, 1890, 1890 and 1941. I'm still trying to connect those two. I mean, I got a little bit more today or in this episode with Julian Harker um, in the 1941 one. Um, because obviously that's um, Elias Mannix back in the day. Um, but I mean, the older version. So he's time traveling. It's just a lot. I mean, and it's like, and then this one, he has a mom. And then, of course, in the more recent timelines, it's he doesn't have a mom. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 very fascinating. And of course. It's been a long time since I've gone down the rabbit hole of of a show. And I feel like I'm doing that with this, trying to figure it out and tie it together. And I'm just not, other than the body, of course, and the in the alleyway where he was found. Um, that's, I mean, I got nothing um, in regards to, like, where we're going with this and why these particular people, and when I say that, I'm talking about white men, Maplewood, Hassan, and Hassan and Hellinghead. I'm Hillinghead. I'm just not. I'm not understanding why they were chosen specifically. And I've, obviously, I know we'll get into all of that as we progress in the episodes. But for right now, it's like what what's happening? Because um, they were picked for a reason. And, you know, Elias was talking today about Hassan's role in it all. And so I'm like, what def? I, I just, it's just not coming to me. I'm like, I, I don't know what direction they're going. And that really, really has me intrigued um, as to like where we're going with this. Um, so I will just talk overall about it, um, like the different timelines, you know, with Maplewood, she's, um, you know, she introduced Defoe to the, the one that was being, you know, what apparently is the future version of him, and, and so she's following him, so apparently in the future, you know, Chapel of Perilous, um, so Mannix is trying to outmaneuver what the future what future people are trying to do to so maybe he's gone in the future and so he's going back to try to figure it out to keep it from happening whatever whatever future is about to happen he's trying to prevent that where I guess he's he's gone and he's not in charge and these chapel perilous people are in charge and is that necessarily a bad thing? Uh, well, it's yet to be known. Um, cause I'm still kind of not, I'm not understanding exactly if Elias is the, the, the antagonist or the protagonist in this situation. And so it seems like he's a antagonist, but is that a misdirect? Um, and he's really, for the good, it's just that it obviously you know how it is. You 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 do some bad things for the greater good, quote unquote. But at the same time, it's like, what exactly? I mean, he didn't prevent 
whatever is supposed to happen in 2023 with him bombing, I guess, a bunch of stuff. And I, I don't know. It's still, I mean, that was needed to happen in order for him, them to get to where they are, which is a better future. So thousands, hundreds of thousands of people had to perish in order to get the future that he feels is a better future. I don't know. I think the only timeline that I'm still like struggling with is the 1891 with Whiteman. I'm trying to understand what exactly is his tie-in because now we're seeing um, the 1941 and 2023 tie-in uh, with the brick, which I'm like, how did she even see that? But okay, we'll just go with it. Um, and I also like that the seeing the different versions of that alleyway through the years um that they did a great job with that um it's so it's it's so dramatically different and yet so eerily similar at the same time so it's it's really interesting how they did that um and that it and it's also interesting that it stayed the same like it's still an alley like years decade century a century later it's still you know, they didn't build something over it or whatever the case may be. It still maintained that alley, um, which I thought was interesting as well. Um, not to so Julian Harker and Elias Mannix are the same person, but in different timelines. So, again, we're being introduced to the time travel aspect of it again in regards to him. And so it looks like, I mean, and of course him and his mom, I mean, I'm like, okay, yeah, because he knows the future. So of course he's going to be an amazing stockbroker because they already know what's going to happen before it happens. So this seance thing um, and, you know, them using that as their cover is um, it's going to be interesting. Him and the mother, um, what's her name? Agatha. But my question is, why did Hillinghead even drink that thing i'm like sir you don't i mean you're going into the lion's den you're you suspect him as in this murder and yet you're not going to you're just gonna get a drink you know allow him to give you a drink that you didn't see him pour or anyone else get anything out of and then you're gonna drink it it's like even if it was a sip um no thank you um i was like no i don't drink yeah, I would have said something. Uh, I'm not doing that. Not doing it. But he did. And then, of course, the whole cuckoo for Cocoa Puff seance thing happened. Um, and so, and I was really, I mean, we got the Defoe. So, okay, that, well, that was 41. So, yeah, we, we already getting the tie-ins from 1941 and 2023 and 2053. Uh, it's the 1891 one that's still up in the air for me. Um, in regards to now this Esther and Whiteman. And so I'm like, what is the importance of this girl? Because I feel like the woman on the phone is the mother. So I'm trying, I don't know if I'm like desperate to tie it into the point where I'm just, just making a tie in. But then I'm like, is, but I'm like, it's East Esther and Agatha. And Agatha is his mom. So I'm trying to understand the importance of this girl because she was introduced for a reason. Um, and I'm wondering who that was that was following. I thought it was the boss that was following them, but he looked like a different actor. So I'm not sure who that was. 
So it's just so many. It's like, and of course, we only got a quick glance at him before he drove off. And then I already knew that he wasn't, he didn't shoot that girl. Um, You know, obviously that's how they do want you to think something that really didn't happen. If they really wanted us to know, because they sure was graphic with Saeed um, blowing his brains out. So I figured if they really wanted, you know, if he really did shoot that girl, they would have showed him doing it. So, um, so yeah, I'm just trying to tie in what wait a minute now that i think about it no 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 that was a dub, another actor um that i'm thinking about the in the beginning when the inspector guy pulled him over that was a totally different other older white guy um so yeah this one is so fascinating to me it's timey wimey of course and it just begs the, the the question per usual about you know, what comes, the chicken or the egg, it's like, you know, that round and round and round when every time you start involving different timelines throughout the decades um, and people going back from and from the future to the past. And is that the reason why the events happened the way they did? If he hadn't have done that, would this have happened? All that good stuff. So the timey-wimey stuff is definitely in play. And you know how much I love that, even though it's very frustrating at the same time, because it's you, you're just trying to figure out where it all falls in and where the different players fall in and why they fall into those different scenarios. But at the same time, um, this is a second Netflix series where the timey-wimey is just working for now until obviously we get to the end and it, see if it all makes sense. Um, but it just has you going in these rabbit holes of uh, mystery on what's going on, um, why, why, why. And then I'm like, Elias... Um, like he's talking about the little boy in the last episode that he had to kill. Was that her son, Hassan's son, Jawad? So I'm like, I mean, they said that for a reason, the dream that he had. And then there's the Morleys. I'm like, who are they? <sighs> Seem like in every timeline, there's some people that are behind the scenes. Because we saw that with um, Hilling Head with the um, coroner. Um, he was, he worked for Harker and then we got, um, Morley there, they were fostering man Elias. And so, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's all going to be very fascinating, interesting to delve into and come up with. I'm already wanting to watch episode four to get better understanding. So to me, that's, that's definitely a sign of a of a great mystery and a and a really good show that for me that can get me wanting to move on to the next episode to find out more to understand more to help me put the pieces together because lord help me i am struggling to understand um all of it so we got Helling, Hilling Head with them taking the picture of him and I guess they're going to blackmail him and I'm trying to understand what was his reasoning behind um, carving that out. I guess he fig- figures something is about to go down, but 
I'm like, so, I mean, what would say, putting that symbol and his name, I guess, look into it, whoever, future people? I don't know. I have, I have no idea. So I guess it'll all make sense uh, later on. So um, we shall see. And now I'm waiting on Maplewood to what, go to the thing, too, to see the same bricks, I guess. So I don't know. Like I said, um, it's it's slowly, you know, tying in. I'm just waiting on a little bit more tie in with the 1890 piece um, to see where that one is about and go from there so i think i rambled on long enough um i'm enjoying this show i'm very excited like i said to see what happens next so until next time much love peace and black girl magic queen of the couch shine thank you shine my love for your thoughts on the episode um, I get it. I totally get it. Sometimes things that might be your speed, depending on when you run into that uh, property at what time in your life may actually end up not being something you're particularly wanting to jump into. So I, I, it's happened to me too. I think sometimes we try to force ourselves to like things that we may not actually like. <laughs> like, um... What am I referring to? Last of Us. I I get aesthetically, it's all the things I should like, but I'm just not into it for whatever reason. So I totally understand. And I know you do as well. As far as your notes on the episode, haha, I said chicken and the egg too. Same brains. I think the pacing in this show is great. I'm glad you brought up the the set props because that is also something I've not been giving enough credit to because yeah particularly the 1890 set pieces with the horses down that same alley but yeah how it's changed over time they did put a lot of effort into that and it shows I do like the pacing too because it parcels out just enough information that you need to know where you're not overwhelmed there's always too little or too much to get it perfectly timed is a difficult thread needle to thread. And they did it, I think, right now, three episodes in, they're doing it perfectly. I'm the opposite. It's the 1941 storyline with Whiteman that I, I know you said uh, Whiteman for 1890. I'm going to guess you meant Hillinghead in 1890 and Whiteman is in with the girl in 1941. Whereas we have a component, someone driving the the actions happening in 1941, I, unlike 1890, can see far less of the connection right now. I feel as if Hillinghead and his investigation into this mysterious body and them needing to shut down that investigation is their primary goal and his decision not to do that has additional rippling effects but i think in in the past what i'm seeing right now is that each person is kind of being told to shut down the investigation we know what's going or from some other force but what's happening in 2023 i think is the inciting event if you will 
whatever is going to happen in that timeline. Uh, woman on the phone. She might be the daughter of, of Esther. That's possible. But why would she want her daughter killed? Other than she's just a terrible person. <laughs> and she's going to fuck up the timeline. And thus, she needs to, to be taken out. But that, that makes sense that they would need to not have any excessive elements. Because there were, I feel like in Dark, there were a few characters that died. And we never really got, like that pregnant woman. Why did she have to die? I still don't know why she had to die. Uh, that was um, the assistant. Maybe one day someone will tell me that. But I felt like there were certain people that died that because of their deaths or they needed to be taken off the board for some particular purpose. And I feel like hers was always new blood into the equation and thus she had to die. Even though the show never explicitly told me that. That has always been my headcanon. So could it be that just any additional part that's not supposed to be in its place just has to go? But with us not knowing the chicken or the egg, don't know if these things happen already and now they're just making sure they happen again. Uh, he did say he had to kill a kid. I thought he was possibly talking about himself. But you're right. It makes more sense he's talking about Jawad. I hope he doesn't kill that kid. He's so cute. In a lot of ways with Hillinghead, he was taken advantage of uh, in, a, in a very intimate manner especially for the time period and I think that bit was was just in the alleyway is that that uh, stubbornness in the face of clearly what he knows what he briefly can patch together with his memories is going to be coming down the pipeline so he, he it was his last defiant if you will, bit of identity, not only because they brought up how people in this alley, they'll put their names down for, uh, I think they said that in the first episode for prosperity. And he put the symbol there too. So it, it just has a lot of layers I felt in that scene. Uh, him finally embracing his sexuality, but also putting what he knows here so what happened doesn't become pointless. It's it's a stain in this world. It happened. It won't be erased no matter how much they're trying to erase the crimes of what he believes this person has done. But I think you're following just fine. You have everything together that I do. You have questions that I'm not asking that are good questions to ask. So I think that, uh, yeah, it's... It's not quite the same as Dark, where you're chasing it as much. But it's a very fascinating premise. And and I do need to see how it ends. It's actually really rated pretty high on Netflix as well. So it's not just... Uh, does It does seem to have and make a uh, the appropriate uh, <laughs> ending. Jeez, words right now. Otherwise, I think it would be much lowly rated. And thus far, three episodes in, I'm pretty confident 
with what the writers and the directors have for us. So that's where I'll end it. Once again, if you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below. My social media will be there as well. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.